Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wave New Yorker podcast. I have a great old friend on the podcast today. By way of Far Rockaway, now in Pennsylvania, Mr. Christian Vasquez. Mr. Vasquez, thank you for pulling up. How you been, my brother? What's up, man? Long time. Doing no good. See. Thanks for having me on here, man. It's It's been a while. I've asked you for a while to get on here, man, but I'm finally on here. There you go. Ask and you shall receive. It's been it's been uh it's been a while, you know. I've been uh podcast been off for a couple months, you know, uh been busy with a couple school related things, but I'm free now and I'm back outside. So uh yeah, man, I think this is the first time right, I'm cool. seeing you since you're married. Uh how's the marriage life? Congrats by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Um married life is just about the same as regular life. Like that was a question <laughs> a lot of people asked us after we got married. They were like Oh, so how's the married life? And we're just, my wife and I were just like, it's exactly the same. Because we already have been living together for a while. We've been together for a while. And the only thing that changes is that we're legally married. So life yeah. just stayed the same, really. Pretty much. How stressful? I mean, yeah. I know you guys kind of, I know a lot of people uh, had this issue during the pandemic of like, you're trying to have a wedding during the pandemic and then it's like, what's happening? You don't know what's going to happen next. Like, how stressful was that and how like glad yeah. are you guys that you don't have to worry about that now like yeah um so during the whole wedding process it was it was real difficult like at first we had a whole bunch of things planned we had vendors planned out and everything and then pandemic like don't don't know what's gonna happen and then we were flirting with maybe like two or three different ideas like oh what if we did here had it here um this and that and then just one day she was like, hey, how about we have it at the beach in uh, in Outer Banks in North Carolina? Like, hey, we could just have a smaller wedding, just a couple people from my side of the family, her mom, dad, um, a few more family members. I think in total there was only like 12, 13 of us. And we were like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. We found a real good um, business down there that took care of everything. They came to where we were staying and did everyone's makeup. They set up the entire oh, wow. thing on the beach for us and... As much as we would, we still would have loved to have like the big party wedding, have it in the church that she wanted to have it in. We're still glad we did it the way we did. It was as least stressful as possible, and that's a place that we both love going to, especially with family and everything. So yeah, it was a great. It was still an amazing time. Now that's as important that it like it looks great. You guys enjoy the moment and. That is stress free. That's the most important thing. I know too many people. Yeah, it was stressing right now. Yeah, I mean, yo, we're at yeah. that age now where, like, everybody's getting married, having kids. It's, like, insane. And it's, yeah. like, I'm, like, am I, is everybody moving fast or we're old? And then I looked at it and I'm, like, yeah, we're actually old. <laughs> we're, we're almost there, man. We're Next year, we're all going to start hitting 30. Yeah, 30, 30, like, and it's scary. Think about it like that. We're all, we're all going to be 30. Yeah, it's literally yep. insane. Like, high school was a long-ass time ago, but, uh. Anyways, before we get into the I know. before we get into the real podcast topics, what have you been up to today? I saw you guys had a garage sale. You want to give me some insight on that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, it's actually like a a yard sale that our entire block takes part of. Oh. Um, and we've been wanting to do it for like the last couple of years, but last year we were actually in Puerto Rico around this time. Oh wow! And then the year before that, it was like prime COVID, so there wasn't anything happening in general but yeah every year they'll put out signs all over the street like oh yard sale this time is from like eight to i think like 12 30 one o'clock and just 
a bunch of stuff. So we had a bunch of old clothes we were going to donate, but we sold like every piece of clothing was like a dollar. We had stuff that we just never <laughs> used, little kitchen gadgets that my mom and grandma constantly get us, and we never even open out of the box and stuff like that. So Jesus. we sold a good little amount. But, um, yeah, the rest that wasn't sold, we were going to just go over to the Salvation Army here and just donate the rest of it. Yeah, no, that's crazy. That's, like, such a contrast from, like, something in New York. You guys are in Williamsport, Pennsylvania? Yep, Williamsport, uh, Central Pennsylvania, home of the Low League World Series. That's, like, what Yeah, that's all I know it for. So <laughs> Yep. Yeah, no, I definitely that's always it. wanted to go. My old fantasy football league, that's how we used to determine uh, draft order. We used to, like, pick a little league team, and based on how far they made it, that would determine the For draft real? order. But, yeah, yeah, but, like, I've quit that league since because the commissioner's Damn. a douchebag. Fuck you, Jonathan Pinero. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Oh, was J- JP was the, was the commissioner. <laughs> yeah, well, he was the commissioner, and then the league imploded, so, uh... But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, besides Damn. that, that was a good idea. But, yeah, no, that's so, like, a big contrast. So, like, how how did you how, – how have you gotten used to it? Like, what are the things you like? I know you're from Far Rockaway. You're a city boy now. You're in a small town. Well, I won't say small town because it's yeah. probably a big town. Uh, but you're, like – No, it's still it, – it's a small town. It's a small I'll town. I'll say <laughs> rural. Well, not rural, but, like, suburban town, right? How is that for you? Like, yeah. what was that transition like from, like, New York City to, like – Williamsport, Pennsylvania, home of the World Series, literally World Series. The transition, the transition was definitely different. Like, um, so when I first moved here, I lived with Molly and her parents at their house, mm-hmm. and it's like in the woods, away from town. So uh, right off the bat, you think you you can't get any food ordered to you. Like <laughs> delivery does not done. go out there. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it doesn't even go out there. <laughs> Nothing. But um, it was great. Because it was so quiet. Like, yeah. in Far Rockaway, I grew up right across the beach. and it's, But it's like, you constantly have noise. Constantly used to the cars, this and that, loud noise. But it was real quiet here. And another thing yeah. I had to get used to was the people. So the people are completely different from in New York. <laughs> completely different. Um, First of all, they're actually nice. Like they're they're definitely nicer. They're willing to like have a conversation with you. Where like when you're back home in New York, it's like ten seconds done. Here they could go off on tangents for like <laughs> five ten minutes, and you'll be like, "Oh damn, look at the time! I completely forgot what I was about to do or what we were even talking about at first. Yeah, nah, New but York. Everybody just has a bad yeah. love language. Like we scream at people like, "Yo, what you want?" And we mean it with love, probably, but it's not yep. ever perceived that way. <laughs> So. Yep, that's that's just, that's still how me and my family are too. Like uh, <laughs> the first time Molly really met him, and then she would see how me and my mom and my grandma spoke. It was like, <laughs> no, you don't have to yell at him. You should be nice. It was like we're be, we're being nice now. She's just like, Chris, you got to tell him something. <laughs> she, she understands it that even even though we're yelling at each other and everything, and it's, it's just how we communicate. Whereas here, no one communicates that way. Yeah, the civilized people. <laughs> Nah, that's yeah, crazy. I would, so I've definitely learned, definitely learned to like, I would say communicate in a less aggressive way, but yeah, it's still there. In New York, roots is deeply embedded in some things never change. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it will never change. Nah, that's crazy. But uh, nah, good that you got the transition. I think for most people, I know a lot of people have left the city 
like especially like around our age. And I think the number one thing that people, oh yeah, the main thing people say is just space. Like, how great is it having space? Space, oh for sure. Like even the house we have now is a little smaller. It's like a Cape Cod, but I mean, we have like a double lot backyard. We have a front yard here and stuff like that. You would not find that in New York no unless you were even by far off way, like more uptown towards like the Bell Harbor area. Yeah. You'd find it, but their yards aren't even as big, and it'd be for like three to four times more than what we got here. Yeah, and it's that's like that's definitely not worth it. it. Yeah, no, no, totally. Yeah, the, the space and, is great. Yeah, like and people have like garages. Like I be thinking about it. Like people could have like garage gyms out there. Meanwhile, like in the city, is like yeah, <laughs> that's exactly I what I have. Yep. So let's talk about that garage gym. How did you like build it? Did she like did Molly give you the green light to utilize that space, or were you did you have to fight for it? Because like, that's like prime real estate in your house. No. Like, and you're like, I right, this is my gym. Like, how did that go? Yeah. So, so that was something she actually knew about because we had spoken about like, hey, house like one place I'm really looking at are the garages because, I mean, when I first moved here, I didn't have a job as a personal trainer or anything like that. So it was. All right, let's get a place with a side, um, adequate garage where we could at least start a little garage gym and stuff. And she knew that yeah. too. The plate, uh, the garage we have now, is is good enough for right now. Definitely needs some improvements. And of course, everyone would like more space to do whatever they want. But it definitely yeah. gets done what has to get done. Like I have just about everything you would find in like your typical functional fitness gym, except for like a pull up bar because. The overhead space, there isn't much. Yeah, and we're both that. tall. We're both, like, six foot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Molly and I, we're both six foot. So it's like, all right, we can't put a pull-up bar in here. There's, the there's no way. But other than that, <laughs> yeah, basically. But other than that, we got everything. I got a squat rack, barbell, dumbbells, kettlebells, um, a rower, an assault bike, a bunch of, the like, the smaller use things, like ab mats, um, mobility tools. I even have a whole whiteboard just screwed into Shit. the wall there expo markers and things so it's it's just about everything you would find at your typical gym like a plyometric box things like that yeah no you're set up like literally that sounds like the perfect athlete gym that's like yo i'm training for like whatever sport or like olympic shit like every like professional track athlete especially like the throwers their garage gym sound just like that where it's just like yo all right it's snowing outside whatever i'm getting busy in the gym like let's do it i'm getting busy in the garage I can't even really say that about my garage because it's not insulated or anything. Uh, so during the man, so during the winter time, oh, it, it gets cold in there, man. I mean, if you're like, working hard enough, I guess you won't feel it. <laughs> no, oh no, you you can feel it. It doesn't matter how hard you're working. Like you you get in there when it's like 15, 20 degrees outside, and you go to touch a barbell, Jeez. you feel like your hands about to stick to the to the barbell. Like it is, it gets frigid in there, and then. On the other side, during the summertime, like now it's getting hotter, you would think you stepped into a sauna and then you're like, damn, I still got to work out in this sauna. Jesus Christ. So like the yeah, prime time to work out in there champions. is like, I would say early fall and spring. Yeah, it definitely I, does, but I'm still grateful for everything that's in there. Yeah, no, nah, I'd love to have that shit. But uh, nah, let's, we'll, we'll come back to some more lifting shit later. Let's talk about, let's talk about yeah, your sure. football Cause you, you were, I've known you as a football dude at Pitcher Ford. <laughs> let's talk about your football journey from like, let's go even before that. When did you start playing? Uh, you can walk me through there. Like, let's talk about it. Cause I want to understand the New York city football yeah, for, scene and you're probably the best guy to ask. 
For sure. Um, so I started playing football real little, like seven years old or so. Um, and it, honestly, football at that time, I wasn't even really watching it too much. It was more so my mom's friends, their sons were playing it, and she yeah. just wanted me to do something. Before that, I w- it was like uh, school rec league basketball, like for real little kids, like five, six years old. But then when the season was over, it was just I had nothing to do. Yeah. And then she worked one, maybe two jobs. Like she was a single mom. So she was like, hey, what can he do to really like take up his time? So then a few other people in the apartment complex I lived in were like, hey, I have my son signed up here. So she would take me there. Tried it out. Not going to lie. The first time I tried it, I did not like football. <laughs> first time I tried it, I did not like getting hit. I didn't <laughs> I didn't like getting hit. I couldn't catch a damn ball anyway. Still, I guess I guess still barely catch the ball. That's why I played defense. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it. Like, I didn't go. I don't think I went back to practice maybe for like a week. Jeez. But then when I kept seeing the kids that I grew up with in my building still playing, I was like, all right, Ma, let's go back. So I went back. Played and then what was great? It was an in-house league, so I think there were like six teams. Okay. So, I, so just for travels, they would talk to the coach like, "Hey, can you put them on the same team as like these two or three kids?" Just so say this one parent could drop them off, this other parent could Package pick them off. Package deal. All, you guys all, in the all same come area. and go. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and that really helped because I was able to play with my friends. Yeah. And then just year after year on the same teams, this and that, and it just. Just fell in love with it, then playing through middle school, then eventually got to Bishop Ford, and I think everyone knows how the st- what it was like at Bishop Ford trying to play football there. I mean, I need to hear about it. I mean, I know about it, but for my listeners, because it sounds crazy <laughs> stories, and apparently this is the norm. I remember that's one of the first stories I've ever heard. I think I was like in an English <laughs> class. And I was like, yo, I, I don't I, I would love to try football, but not here. Like it sounds insane. So like for the audience, please <laughs> give us some of these stories. Yeah, like it was rough. I would say it was more mentally and emotionally rough than it will ever be physically rough. Cause yeah. I I will attribute to how I am now to how the coaches treated us. You're like, oh, you didn't you didn't do this. Hurt. Fuck up. What the fuck are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. They'll straight talk about your mom in front of you. They didn't care. Oh they tell you they drop you off the bus and just leave you wherever. Did not matter. But at the end of the day, it was like, look, we got one job to do. You better do your job. And if you don't, then you're going to suffer some consequences. That, that's just it. And not everyone was for it. Like, we both know, we both graduated with kids that played, like, maybe freshman, sophomore year. Then they're like, nope, I can't do yeah. it. The coach, he just violating my whole life like i just can't do this anymore yeah but um kids that kids that stuck around like in terms of success we weren't the most successful team i would definitely say that yeah but then in terms of building character i would i'll attribute so much to coach esposito coach mento and all the other assistant coaches that were there like in terms of like mental toughness and shit right oh Oh yeah, for sure. Like um, even now in certain situations where it's like, oh man, this this ain't really what I wanted. This and that, or it's like just just work harder at it, or do this, do that. It's like do what you have to do. Yeah. And then also on how to make sure you don't get treated a certain way either. Yeah. Like since high school, I worked for a few coaches, like um, in CrossFit or Olympic weightlifting, where they just 
they didn't treat you with as much respect as you were treating them and things like that. Yeah. And instead of just staying quiet or like, uh, whatever, you let them know right away. Like, they know where you stand. And if they speak to you a yeah. certain way, things aren't going to go how they think it's going to go just because you're not get, you're not someone to get pushed around. It's just not happening. Yeah, I think that's also the mentality of everyone in New York. Like, you're not going to push me around. Yeah, you're not pushing not me around. Not in this city. No, I think that's no, no, everyone that's where we're from. Yeah, it's, it's not yeah, happening. Yeah, no, that's... It's nah, it's good that you get something positive from it. I feel like that's like I always wish I could have played. Now everybody always says, "Yo, you're mad small," but I'm like, whatever. Like, I feel like it would have just been fun <laughs> yeah. to be a part of that shit. But like, who knows? I, I don't know. I, I feel bro, like you, that's one. You, <laughs> that's one thing that's like great. I hear people talk about like even some of my teammates from college will talk about like high school football and like different moments, and I'm like, damn, that shit sounds like fun. I wish I got a moment to experience that, but like, it just sounded too. It sounded like too much at that time for me to do bro. it at Bishop Ford. Bro, we we needed you. We we needed everybody. We didn't not have a big team. Yeah, Man, I would go I from offense to the to the punt team to playing defense to punt return. Some I'm right on kickoff, right on kick return. It's like I did not get a break. The yeah, only it, time I got a break is when like I slightly dislocated my ankle, or, like I caught a cramp. Oh that was God. it. Yeah. Other just, than that, it's too much. I did not get a break on I, I, I field, feel like man. I, I feel so like yeah. I feel like at our school, like enough kids didn't do sports, which is crazy because like oh, when you look crazy. at like yeah. I was just in Tampa like maybe a month ago, and I like you know I wanted to work out, so I found a local high school with a local track, and I'm like yeah, you could get on as soon as the football team finishes up, and like the way they treat sports down south is just so much more different than they do it's in a, New York. It's a way of life. Yeah, it's a way of but it's life. Like, it's from everything, even, like, from the coaches to the kids to the facilities. It's just, like, everybody's like, all right, this is just what you do. And it's, like, everybody's engaged and involved in it. And I'm like, man, I wish, yep. like, high school had that because I probably would have been more in, in tune to maybe just try it. Like I said, ain't nobody. I I know for sure I probably was not. High school would have been where my career started and ended. <laughs> like, that's just – I'm just not physically built. Like, that's just what it is. And that's cool. I would have been okay with that. That's great. But, like, just yeah. to have the shot. But it's just, you know, like, compared to, like, other other states, I always feel like, and this is where this convo is going to go next, I feel like compared to other states, New York City football is, like, so limited in terms of, like, us developing athletes, us taking them to the next level. Like, don't get me wrong, we do have some people that make it, but it's, like, so few and far in between in compared to, like, Pennsylvania. How many fucking kids out of Pennsylvania go to the NFL? Like, a lot. How many kids yeah. out of, like, Texas go to the NFL? A lot. New York City, I yeah. can name, like, maybe three people in the NFL. <laughs> like, uh, uh, yeah, Curtis so Samuel. that's actually a good conversation. So, yeah, Curtis Samuel. Um, I don't know if you know this name, Dominic Easley. He went to Curtis oh, in Staten really? Island. He was, um, he went to, yeah, he went to Florida. He was a DN. Um, he was he was a first round pick by the Patriots. He was thirty second overall. He was on. Oh, wow. I think he was on their squad when they won their next Super Bowl. After that, he was in our year, and we scrimmaged them. He beat the holy shit out of every <laughs> single one of our team, single handedly. Like, like, oh man. But uh, yeah, that's another good topic. I would say one school in New York City right now that is that are doing real big things. Erasmus Hall. E Hall, yeah, definitely. It's just them and a yep, few so other schools. I've, like, I would say E-Hall and, like, what's the other school that, that used to go against? Probably just E-Hall, honestly. But it's like, yeah, it's really, except for, like, maybe those prep schools, like, uh, what's the shit in Bay yeah. Ridge? Uh, 
Fuck, I can't remember. Same French? No, not, not same French. Oh, Polly Prep. Polly Prep sends kids D one to big yep. schools, and then they they had that kid that got drafted by the Titans. He's a first round bust, but has less to do with his talent and more yeah, of maturity. But yeah, it's just literally yeah, like but, um, it's so far and few between. Yeah, E Hall. E Hall has been doing some real big things. So when I lived in New York and was still coaching CrossFit there, I coached their two coaches. So their head coach Danny, and then their defensive coordinator. Um, Roz, mm-hmm. and every year, like, and I follow them on social media and stuff. But every year, they're posting more and more kids that are getting big time Division One scholarships for yeah. football. Like, they have it all set up from hey, making sure your grades are good to making sure someone is collecting and putting together some tape for you that yeah. you can send out to scouts and things like that. Mm-hmm. To making sure everything is set one hundred percent. And every year, I think now they're sending at least. Eight to ten kids, Division One full full football scholarships right now. Yeah, no, and it's I starting it. to hit into the SEC. They had they had a kid go to Tennessee. They have kids that exactly are getting about. looked at by Texas A and M. Yep, they um, Rutgers is a school that a lot of them go to. Rutgers Division One program. They're kind of mm-hmm. trying to get a little 10. bit better. Yeah. I know their whole coaching situation. Yep, yeah. their whole coaching situation the last couple of years has been real crappy there, but um. They're, around they are getting stuff. kids out of Brooklyn. They're, they're getting kids out of Brooklyn, sending them to college for free to get an education. Like We we all know the, the chances of someone going pro in the NFL, but the yeah. fact that they're doing it as best as they possibly can yeah. and kind of putting New York on the map, though, because more and more people are not only going to their games, they're going to a lot of other games in New York because New York isn't just a basketball state. Yeah. It is a football state, but but you got to look in the right places. Yeah, no, nah, I hear you. And I kind of wish that, like, whoever – like, I hope other coaches are able to kind of follow that model because I feel like we need to give more of our kids, like, a chance at the next level. And it's like you can't just say, oh, yeah, kids are bigger in Texas and Oklahoma. Maybe they are, but you can't tell me they're always faster and whatever. Like, we definitely should be able to develop it here. I just think we don't have enough yeah. of the right coaches. Like, we need to model what E-Hall is doing and apply that to more public schools, especially like PSA. So, oh, for sure. So what I would say in that situation is coaching, of course, plays a role in everything. Yeah. But it's also the support of the school. Yeah. So I would even say when we were at Bishop Ford, the coaches always said this, that, like, we want to do this, we want to do that. But we were never fully backed by the school. And that's the yeah. same if I talk to other friends that went to other either public or Catholic high schools that were like, yeah. oh, if they're doing real well, this and that, it's because they have guidance counselors behind them. It's because they have teachers behind them, the principal yeah. behind them. Um, everyone was behind them, whereas Bishop Ford, it was it was like, eh, whatever. Yeah, no, I whatever. agree with you that. Know, you know, I don't yeah. – you're not on the basketball team. You're not on the baseball team. Whatever. I also feel like they don't do enough to, like, give it exposure. Like, to me, like, every football game, they need to be like, hey, this we're playing against whoever. Let's just say Christ the King or Zavarian or whatever, right? Yeah. Say, yo, the bus leaving to the game is leaving school at 4 p.m. on whatever day. Like, be here or whatever. Like, advertise it. Push it. Put more support behind it. Yo. Get more people involved because then it creates more exposure, more support, and then you could build off that. Kids are going to want to play. Kids are going to want to yeah, come to your sure, school man. just for football, and that's going to help increase enrollment and more people, you know, signing up for the school. So it's like it's shit like that. It, it really does take a full program, and that, that's why I say, like, it's not just the coaching. You're right. ADs, yeah. athletic directors, everybody has to, like, be involved for that to change. Yeah, man. And and we we both know our AD over there, short, short little hand man, was a 
was a jackass. He didn't care about nothing that wasn't basketball. I saw his ass one he did time not care. Kentucky basketball game, uh, Kentucky University of Maryland. And I was oh, like, my yo, God. The Godfather. This, this, <laughs> uh, man, I, yeah, yeah, fucking, his hands were like this big, like his whole hand was like that big trying to shake your <laughs> hand, and you were like, what the fuck is going on? But yeah, he did yeah. not, he didn't care about a damn thing, um, I mean, it is what it is, I'm, yeah, I'm grateful for it, I wouldn't say I'm happy for it, but I'm grateful for it, now. Yeah, no, nah, I feel you. It definitely could have been a lot better. I mean, now there's no school, but yeah, I feel like, as, like I said, it's definitely, yeah. it's definitely, yeah. it's definitely a systematic thing. Like if the program and system is good, it's gonna be uh, historically good. It's gonna be good year after year. Like even if you look at other Catholic schools, yep. there's certain Catholic schools that yep. are always good. That's always like not only Saint, competitive, freaking Saint Anthony's. Yeah, exactly, exactly in every sport. But yes, always exactly. Yeah, and you could just always. see that it's more of a like. We're invested in this instead of, oh, we have a yep. football team. No, we're invested in our football team and our yeah. kids that are a part of it. So, yeah, I, I just want that yep, to change probably. for New York, especially New York City, because I'm like, yo, we need to, like, we got to change the narrative. We got to get more kids, at least to the next level. I'm tired of watching these. When I do watch college football, yeah. I'm tired of watching these and they're talking about this kid from Florida. I want them to talk about a kid from Brooklyn. And they do, but it's very rare. And when it is from Brooklyn, it's, it's they're like, it's oh, so from Erasmus. And I'm like, damn, is that the only school sending people to the league? But that, for, for real, that's like, the o- that's like the only school right now. I think right now they are ranked second in the entire state of New York. The only school mm-hmm. that I think was ranked above them was a school from Buffalo, Canisius High School. I heard of Canisius. Other yeah. than that, they're the – yep, they are a top – team in the state and i think they've actually been having scrimmages against teams from like new jersey from connecticut things like that so they're getting themselves put on the map year by year year after year yeah no i definitely i definitely want to see it because like and it's so interesting and to go back to kind of what you were talking about how you guys faced that kid that went to florida and he was just like a man amongst boys you could usually see it i think so much of it is you'll see you'll 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 know when somebody's like next level talent like I think one of the first things I kind of realized when I went to college was just, like, the correlation of, like, this is what it takes to be a professional NFL player. We would talk about this track athlete, like, oh, Ronald Darby ran this. And I'm like, oh, okay, so, like, is Ronald Darby going to go to the NFL and have a long career? Yeah. Stephon Diggs, he ran this in high school. Is Stephon (laughs) Diggs going to be a good receiver in the NFL? He probably went in the fifth round, but then when I heard him doing these things, I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. And, you know, when I went to University of Maryland, like, for a weekend, yeah. everybody had on that number one jersey because Stephon Diggs was that guy. And it's, like, so much of it I see is just yeah. these guys are, like, it, more times than not, I think the athleticism is the number one thing. Like, it's skill, you got to have skill, but, like, you have to be a elite athlete. I guess sometimes, like, at the next level, coaches always look at it like, yo, I could coach this into him, but if he has these elite traits – I could get him to the next level. Like that yeah. I can't teach. Yeah. Like can you run four three, four two, exactly, four four? Yeah. I can't I can't teach that. You got it? All right. I could teach you how to catch a ball. Yep. I could help you expand your route. <laughs> I could <laughs> I could help you play better defense. Yeah, you know sure. what I mean? So like what do you what's your th- what's your take on that? So for me, you're absolutely right. There's some things you can't teach. Like, remember do we graduate with Big Dave? Yeah. Six four, like three twenty or so. Like you can't teach that. Yeah. If there, if there are issues like, oh man, maybe footwork isn't so so. Maybe he's not studying his playbook. Like those are things you can work with. Yeah. But if it's like, oh man, this dude's like 
5'10", 220 pounds, trying to be like an outside linebacker. No, sir. And he runs like a 4'7", <laughs> and he's doing – like those are things you just – you're not going to take that. Yeah. But there also has to be a sense of work ethic too because you and I have both been around some incredible athletes and not just their sport but in other sports and then like you never hear about them again. And yeah. especially, honestly, where I'm from, Far Rockaway, it, we always talk about dudes – Primarily in basketball, they're like, oh, man, they're going to, like, Beast Channel or something. They're in Far Rock, Far Rock High School, things like that. You never hear about them again because they'll say get an offer here or there. They go just for a meeting or just for a trip there, and they have zero work ethic, and it gets pulled. Then they just yeah. fall. They just slide down, and, like, you never hear about them again. So as talented as people are, I feel like you need the same amount, if not more, of a work ethic, too. Because you got to be committed to being as athletic as you can be and being more athletic so you can, say, be, like, from a third round to a first round pick or prospect, things like that. Get more get more playing time so on. No, no, that's a fact. And I feel like somebody always says this. I always say this on Twitter. They say some of the world's best athletes never make it and they get left in the hood just because they don't have the drive and the work ethic. And that's so true because they never make yep. it. And the discipline, so, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's sad yep. to see, man. It's sad it's, to see, but. <clears throat> It is what it is. Yeah, it, it's it, it's very unfortunate, but like as athletes, not everyone is cut from the same cloth. No, hundred like, percent, You got you got dudes that are maybe like absolute workhorses that didn't have everything. Like you look at Aaron Donald. Yeah, came out the draft. The man is six foot, like high two hundreds in terms of weight. Like he's not three hundred. Yeah. He's probably like two seventy five, two eighty. But you see how much this man works. Like you yeah. see his Instagram videos all the time. <laughs> you see his. You see his work ethic. Then you have dudes that just have all the natural ability in the world. They have the height, the size. And I'll bring up Jamarcus Russell. Yeah. <laughs> got He's got the height. He's got the size. He could fling that damn football 80 yards without trying. He had no discipline, had no work ethic. Just considered the biggest bust in the history of the NFL. Yeah. So it's like you, you got to have it. You can't if, like, if you don't have the size and speed and stuff, you got to work at it. And if you do have it, you better keep working at it because then you're not going to go anywhere. No, 100%. It's like, yo, use it or lose it, 100%. But uh, the, For sure. To kind of transition from that, let's talk about how you've gotten into this CrossFit space because I always find it very interesting. Yeah. And it's funny because I never used to lift weights until I got to college, and then I'm like, yo, this shit is so crazy. So let me talk. Let's talk about how you got your start. I'll, I'll give some insight of my experience of lifting, but let's start with you. Yeah, I feel like everyone has some kind of CrossFit experience, in all honesty. But um, yeah. So I really started when I was at Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So it was after after a season, but then it was like, all right, what? Like I don't know what to do. Like, this yeah. and that. Like, I wasn't anywhere on top of the roster. Like, I had Khalil yeah. Mack on my fucking team. They ain't looking at me, man. <laughs> like, I ain't making it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, they don't care about what I do. But um, it was like, what, what am I going to do? In the So, we lived in, like, little townhouses. And the kid that yeah. lived next door to me, Chuck. Chuck's the man. He's in the Air Force right now. But um, he was like, hey, man, Chuck. come come across here with me or whatever. I was, yeah, I was like, oh, like, all right, yeah, I'll come try it. Fun. The atmosphere was amazing. Had a bunch of people working as hard as they can. Then, like a couple of weeks later, I, it, um, we had breaks. So I came back home to Rockaway, and the CrossFit gym was o- just opened up there. So I went there. Was a member. Real good atmosphere. Real good people. 
then just every time I went back and forth, I was always doing it. Just fell more in love with it, more in love with it. And I realized, okay, this is, this is helping me a little bit with football. This helped me a little bit with everything I kind of wanted, I want to do. Yeah. And then I left Buffalo, came back home, expensive out the ass. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> came back home, and then that's when I became a coach. So it was like, all right, I got to – I'm not just in school. I got to find a job. I got to do something. Yeah. So got my certification, found a job over um, on Flatbush in Floyd Bennett Field. They used to be across it there. So that was my first, first coaching job there. And – First time doing anything, it's a learning curve. Like some things did right, some things you do better, some things you'll never do again. <laughs> and you just and you kind of just learn as you go. So I've been coaching hmm, since twenty fifteen, I'd say. Jesus, way to make us so Coach, old. Coaching, <laughs> shut up, man. <laughs> yeah, we are old though. We getting there. So yeah, and honestly, I would say how I coach now is a combination of everyone I've been around. Because the best thing you could do, especially when you're starting out, is try to get yourself around as many different kinds of coaches as possible. So yeah. you could have, like, the arrogant, cocky coach. You could have the real specific, scientific numbers kind of coach. You could have the lackadaisical, like, free-to-be-you-and-me coach, the one who's a technician when it comes to movement. But And if you can get yourself around them and just kind of see, all right, what works that they do, what doesn't work, and kind of morph it into what you want to be, yeah. Then you'll be all right. And that's kind of what I've done today, but I'm still learning, especially yeah. I've taken in the last couple of years, a much bigger transition into the sport of Olympic weightlifting, I would say yeah. than CrossFit. So okay. yeah, no, still that's, learning there and I love it. It's hard. I mean, bro, the first time I would say my first it week is, or yeah. two weeks in college, it's like the weight room was like the most like fuck classes, fuck everything else. The hardest thing to get used to was straight up weight room. They're like, yo, power cleans. Like, power cleans? I, I, I was stuck on power cleans for like two weeks. Like, yo, this shit is insane. And, and it just felt so dangerous because yeah. it just doesn't feel like a natural thing that you do. But like between that, yeah, uh, what's the shit? Snatches, all them shits. It's just, I'm like, yo, why do we need to do all of this? Like, what does this have to do with running? Like, at all. I'm like, I'm a middle distance yeah. runner. Like, why am I doing this shit? But, like, what I have but, noticed yeah. is that yeah. the elite athletes, they do this shit, and they do it well. And it's like, if you want to be there, that's kind of what it takes. But, boy, talk about yeah, growing for sure. pain. So, what I, would, what I would say with that is um, I've, I've had several football and basketball athletes, like, as one-on-one clients where I'm at now. And I've been trying to reach out to the high schools here. Mm-hmm. But all the ADs are like, oh, no, we got a coach just now. And it's some, like, Joe Schmo Schmuck who doesn't know anything. Yeah. But, a topic for another day, but it's like, why, why would they want to do Olympic weightlifting? If you were to think of all aspects and components of overall fitness, so if you think about like coordination, timing, balance, speed, agility, power, strength, endurance, all those things, they are all kind of balled together into Olympic weightlifting. Yeah. So like you said, you're doing power cleans, you're doing snatches and things like that. When taught right, I will say that because there, I would say in the sport of Olympic weightlifting, at least there are a lot more bad coaches than there are good coaches. Yeah, totally. I'll just, I'll just put that out there. Um, when done correctly, the benefits could be tremendous. Like the kid I'm working with now, he's he's going into his sophomore year of high school. He's he's a big dude. He's like six five, three ten, or whatever. Jeez. He'll work with me twice a week. Yeah, he's a bit. He's a big boy. He'll work with me twice a week, and then. 
he'll go work out with the team right now. Like, it's just all preseason type stuff. But he'll come back like, oh, yeah, we've been working on cleans a lot. And he, he's a he's a guard. He's like, mm-hmm. man, I was driving that sled so much faster than I was before. Like, I was <laughs> bringing my hips, rolling my hips through. I was like, damn, like, I was competing with the top seniors right now. It's it's crazy. And the same thing I had a basketball kid. He's like, oh, Olympic weightlifting. Okay, whatever. But then he's like, I, I'm way more explosive right now. I can see myself. If I'm keeping the ball at the hip right now and I go up for a jump shot, that ball is getting up there a lot quicker. I'm and I'm a lot stronger overall. Like if I'm driving the lane, I gotta go up for a layup and a dude's coming to lay a body on me. Before I would hesitate right now, it's like this is gonna hurt you more than it's gonna, it's gonna hurt, hurt me. me. <laughs> I'm still gonna go for this layup right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's been paying off a whole lot, especially for the athletes. One athlete type of athlete I've been dying to try and get is a track and field athlete. Yeah. Because Clean snatches, they do wonders. Like most big time track and field athletes right now, they're doing Olympic weightlifting. Yeah, they are doing 100%. hang clean snatches. They are squatting like the whole house. Like track and field athletes, I would say pound for pound, are so, especially like the throwers and the, the shot putters. And shot putters are, yeah. yeah, are some of the strongest. Sons of bitches, pound for pound on this entire planet. I don't care what anyone says. They're animals. Like you, like you got throwers. A lot of them are shot players too. Usually, yep, yep. Because everything translates. But you have like throwers hang squat clean like four oh five for reps, and I'm like, yo, fuck you. Why you got to do that though? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's insane. I remember we went to Penn State for for a meet, and you saw them lifting in the background, and they're just throwing weights up like it's fucking toys and shit. It's ridiculous. And there's some big motherfuckers. Like, it's it's insane. Yeah, they're not like some – they're not some little dudes. Like, they're they're like 6'3", 6'5", like around like 280, 300 pounds, and they are slinging everything around. Like, that's it. It's crazy. They're insane. Slinging straight up weight. But, uh – no, that shit is that shit is definitely dope. Yeah, I like man. that you're getting in the Olympic weightlifting space because that shit is really, really good. Just for like pure athletics, it's like super, super, super helpful. And like I said, I I think that's one thing you'll notice too when you go to like the bigger uh, like Division One colleges. That's what they invest in. Like when I went to University of Miami for like spring break, where we had yeah. to compete there, we got to use their weight room. Like literally. <laughs> they have a squad rack for every Yo, fucking those, player. Those like, literally, crazy. It's insane. I swear to, like, everybody really can squat that. at the same time. It's it's insane. I think when we went, we yeah. saw Jimmy Graham actually Bro. that time, and it, it, it's just fucking insane. Like Yo, those, literally, those, they invest in that shit. Those those weight rooms are crazy. It's yeah. insane. Like, have you seen pictures of Alabama's weight room that they put in Bro. like a couple of years ago? That's the only reason to go to Alabama. Alabama like, there's nothing in Alabama but. The University of Alabama and the for football in the weight room. Exactly. There's no other reason to ever go. That's there. it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and Nick Saban. That's it. Those are the only three reasons you ever go to Alabama. That's that it. is it. There's nothing else there. Ain't shit out there. It's it's really insane. But like that's why I think it's like such a strong correlation. I think a lot of like I have a lot of friends that are like in the um <clears throat> in the training industry, and it's like those are like the dream jobs to be like the head trainer for like. Or head uh, fitness coach for like a fucking 
Division one football program. D one pro. You're bro, that would so, be the dream. It's like not only like the type of athletes. Like you're, first of all, you're dealing with athletes that are very likely to go to the next level. But then like you just have mm-hmm. all of these tools at your disposal. Like even if you yeah. look at University of Oregon, some of the next level shit that these guys have, it's bro. it's insane. It makes you Everywhere. feel like, damn, is this where all our tuition money going into? But that's that football money. Yeah, it's <laughs> it it's crazy. It's like, oh, I need I need this squat rack. Got it. I need these plates. Got it. I need. This, this, it, they got it. And if they don't got it, you'll have it next week because it'll be on, like, two-day priority shipping from wherever else in the world it is. You got it. Yeah, no, it's it's insane. Yeah, man, that would, it's... That, would, that would be crazy. But more into the CrossFit, do you uh, – I've seen you've been in some, like – I guess it seemed like it was competitions or maybe it was an Olympic wait list, and I'm not sure. Have you done any, like, competitions or anything? So the last competition I did was, I would say in November. It was a CrossFit competition. It was a partner one. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a male female one, and we we ended up getting second, which I was like, oh, nice. hey, let's go. We got second place. That's that's all cool. Um, Olympic weightlifting haven't for a very long time. I don't think I will. I like yeah. the coaching aspect a lot more of it because yeah. I do have a few athletes that are like that are like, hey, I want to take this as serious as possible. I have one athlete. She's actually older. She's a so they're considered masters athletes. Masters athletes. Um, yeah. She, yeah. She she went to the Arnold Expo that was in Columbus, Ohio. She and she placed third nationally for her age and weight Sheesh. group. And she's like, hey, this is something. There's something like I really want to do. Um, there's an international competition as well that's in Orlando in December, but we're not going to do that one. It's just way too expensive. But the next the yeah. one next year. We're going to do, and I'm like, hey, I'm excited to see how strong you get, and I'm excited to see where all these other people are going to be by that time because maybe we go with a group if everyone's able to qualify. Yeah, no, that's that's a good thing about, like, the hardcore athletics that they have stuff for, like, older people. Even in track and field, I have this master's athlete that I always, like, talk to from Sweden, and it's, like, it gives you something, like, really, like, purpose in, like, the latter portions of your life that's, like, athletic, but it's challenging Mm -hmm. because it's, like, yo, I could be, like, second in the in the world at like the 45 50 age group which is like yo that's no easy task and it's like yo it's really impressive and it still gives you like no, something like to achieve in like the latter phases of your life that you may have normally not have thought about so like the fact that they do it for weightlifting is like really crazy because you know sometimes these competitions are like all over the country or all over the world you never know what places you get to see it's it's dope i ain't gonna hold you i would love to do that when i get older but the way i'm breaking bones I don't know. It's not looking promising. <laughs> not at all. Bro, bro, you got to take care of yourself. You got to drink some milk. You got to do Bruh, something. Drink some I milk. Like everyone, calcium. They used to say. I take my calcium for the day. When we get off this podcast, I will take this calcium pill. I've been chugging one a day <laughs> with the vitamin D. But, yeah, D. man, you're Pause. right. That... <laughs> Pause. But, yeah, man, you're right, though. The fact that they have divisions for older age groups are great because usually it's like, say – after college, say you were track and field runner, it's like, oh, man, I ain't got shit to See? do with the rest of my life. I don't want to yeah. just keep running for nothing. But then it's like, oh, wait, yeah. they got other divisions, and it'll some, and it's something that will keep you honest and disciplined. and So you won't yeah. be like, oh, man, I'm I'm 40 years old, and you look back at your high school pictures, and you're like, damn, I, I was in shape, did this and that. I was training hard. Be like, oh, no, wait, I, I still am. I got this race coming up next month, something like that. I'm getting in shape for i feel healthy i'm good my medical bills there are none because i'm actually taking care of myself like it's great that that they have divisions in in several sports that it's like hey 
for Olympic weightlifting, we've seen people as old as in their 70s. Mm-hmm. Like, no lie. There's this woman from New Jersey. We love her. Her name is Marcy. She goes to marble weightlifting over there. And, and she's like 70-something years old, nationally ranked, gold medalist, all this. And she, every time right. we see her at a meet, she gets down. She does not care. She is lifting that weight. <laughs> she's she's awesome. Shit up. Yeah, yeah, she's nah, great. She's like, is, yeah, she's like early dope. 70s, I think. Now, I love to see that shit when people like on the older side, like still getting busy because I'm like, yo, if I could do that at that age, even half of that, I'm in a good place. Stay active. You know, they're healthy. It's it's very inspirational to see. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, sure. now we're at the towards the end of this. Absolutely. Let's talk about some fun shit. You're the resident Eagles fan. You're in Pennsylvania, but you're far from Philadelphia. Let's oh. talk about some <laughs> NFL football. So how's uh how's it feel being at home oh, I mean, in one, Pennsylvania, this, but this you're one's far? Get heated, huh? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I feel like um I hate the Eagles, but I support y'all. I, I don't support y'all. I applaud everything y'all do. Y'all fan base complain a lot about the stuff that your general manager do, but I think y'all got the best GM in football. But how's it been? How's it you, been? Being you get most of that information you from, from watching my Twitter, bro. Your Twitter, but you know what sucks? Bro, you watch my Twitter. Your Twitter, <laughs> your Twitter and Philly Twitter and, and Eagles Twitter is the same. It's like literally, I follow like four Eagles fans, and you'd be like, "Fuck!" And they say, "Fuck!" It's like, why would he do that about everything? It could be the draft. It'd be like, "Oh Bro. man, watch how he fucked this up." Oh, how he's gonna fuck this up? Then it's like, "Oh wait, how he yeah. traded this for that?" Oh wait, that's kind of good, but I still don't know. Like you guys are so <laughs> pessimistic. You guys won the Super Bowl, and even yeah, going through are, that whole game, it's like, oh, my God, we're going to blow this. Oh, my God. I'm like, yo, get bro, a fucking grip. Bro, no, that <laughs> that that game, if, if like, at the end, if at every commercial, if a doctor was there to take my blood pressure, he would think I was about to, like, pass out and die. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, the Super Bowl, I was, I damn near cried at the end. I'll say that, too. Like, my mom was there. She was like, are you crying? I was like, no, I'm about to cry, though. Leave me alone. But, um, <laughs> yeah, man, Eagles, as fans, we're crazy as hell, but hey, at least we ain't Cowboy fans, I'll say that, at least you a Giants fan, I'm an Eagles fan, I'd rather be those than Cowboys fans, that's for damn sure. I 100% agree, and that was going to bring me to my next question, most hated team in the NFC East, can we agree, Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys? Cow- Cowboys, I, we, <sighs> I hate the damn Cowboys. So here's, Cowboys. I, here's as a, like, as a Giants fan... I hate the Cowboys the most, but if you ask me who's given me more traumatic experiences, it's the Eagles with without hesitation. The Eagles have traumatized most of my adult life. Bro, all I have to say is Deshaun Jackson. Oh my god. I actually cried when I went to bed that night. Like I cried. <laughs> like like tears of rage. Like I was so bro, fucking mad. Bro, I I, I remember I went mad. back I went back to school and uh in class, like all the Giants fans everywhere, they all know I'm Eagles fans. I'm just like, yup. We came back from twenty eight. We came back from twenty eight down in like eight and a half minutes and won on a walk off punt return. Hold these real quick, bro. I just every time it's a Giants Eagles game and it comes down to the last like drive and you guys have the ball, I'm I'm pissed. Like I think remember the Jake Elliott shit where he kicked his shit from the middle Yeah, of the like Eagles 62 shit? yards. Yeah, I wanted to fucking, the Super Bowl year, yo. I was pissed. Yeah, I was so mad. And he never made a kick that good again. Like never that far again. No. I was so fucking livid. 
Yeah. Bro, even like a couple of years ago, well, Carson Wentz, like when it was Monday Night Football or something, y'all are up, what was it, like 21 to 10 or some shit with like six minutes to play? Oh my and we God. came back and won. Carson Wentz had that crazy throw to Boston Scott, like over the shoulder, in the bread basket, like turn around, everything. I was like, how did you Joe become Giants an Eagles fan? fan, if you don't mind me asking? I always ask every Eagles fan, because every Eagles fan <laughs> I know doesn't live in Philadelphia, actually, believe it or not. They live in a state either near it or, like, across from it, but they never actually live in Philadelphia. So how did you become a Philadelphia Eagles fan? So mostly it was, I would say because of my dad and my uncle. So they're all big Giants fans. But they, when I was young, they always pissed me off with football because it's like, don't talk to me during the game. Get away from me. This and that. And then there was one game. They were playing the Eagles. I, I didn't know. And it was with McNabb. And they were whooping their ass. Like, like embarrassing them. Like, my dad, I think, was damn near crying. And I was just like, oh, okay. So it was out of spite. I was like, all right, I'm going to like that team. Oh, and, God. And that's just how it happened. It just so happened they had some, they had some sick-ass jerseys and helmets, too. And they've been successful, oh won a Super Bowl, thank God. Probably every Eagles game probably takes like six months off my overall life, but it is what it is. That's sick. Yeah, that's that 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 knowing that that makes it even more sick. But uh kudos to you and kudos to you guys. <laughs> you guys you guys seem like you got a good a good season going forward. And honestly, as much as you guys hate Howie Hopefully. he knows what he's doing. And Howie we trust. Bro, Howie put on this offseason, how we put on a fucking general manager's masterclass or something. Like, we should have had to subscribe to his masterclass on what he did this offseason. Like, I think he's amazing. You know what's bro, crazy? He filled, everybody, he filled everything. Everybody says he's terrible, but, like, he traded the pick for – he traded the first-round pick for A.J. Brown, and then the receiver that the Titans bro, took was, the pick, they found uh, out he has asthma and he can't play. <laughs> he, can't, he can't practice right now because he bro, has asthma. That's a fleece. Bro, that whole so like this whole offseason. So not just through the draft, but signings. So like obviously got AJ Brown in trade. We got the big dude from Georgia, Jordan Davis. Yeah, he's big as fuck. Speaking of big ass people we were talking about. He hits the bill. Bro. Second second round pick. I didn't understand it at first, but I got it. Um Linderbaum, the center from Iowa. So why I like the pick is because Jason Kelsey said for the last, like, four or five years, he's been watching centers all throughout D1. And he said this center reminds him of himself the most. And Kelsey's like, this might be his his last last year. So I like the pick. He'll get get reps reps in this and that. And then third round, bro, I was screaming for N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker from Georgia, forever. Forever. And And we drafted him in the third round. Oh, God. We got we got him in the third round, and then offseason acquisitions. So we got Hassan Reddick, the pass rusher from Carolina, who's been putting up double yeah, digit sacks really every year. And then we got a, a low key signing, Kazir White, the linebacker from the Chargers. Dude yeah, nah, is fast as hell, good. knows how to cover, and he's not afraid to tackle. Like I feel like our linebackers the last the last like two years are like allergic to the football or something. They just don't want to tackle. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one, I, I know, I know you hate this last signing, James I mean, Bradbury. Thank yeah. God, yes, I was, yeah. I was, I mean, as soon as I vote. saw Adam Schefter say, "Oh, 
as soon as I saw that there were like contract disputes or whatever, I was just like, Howie. Howie. It's it's rape. It was rape. Put a crown or a bow on this offseason, bro. I was like, That's what happens when you have to to me this reminded me of Dinosaur GM. Bro, this So to me watching the Giants, like of course everyone will go to Daniel Jones and stuff, and he's had his issues without a doubt. But for me, an issue that's plagued y'all for a, a long time is the offensive line. Even yeah, towards the yeah. end of Eli's career, yeah. your off, your offensive line is terrible. So, like like I said, of course, Daniel Jones does things here and there. It's like, bro, what the fuck? Like, why are you throwing that this and that? But when he gets hit and rushed so many times, it's like... Yeah, no, bro, he gets like, hit. And There's it's not at the fault of... He's getting yeah. hit after me counting to one Mississippi. Like, it's, it's, it's bro, he, abysmal. You can't take... You can't take a three-step drop and worry for your life. It's yeah. like, bro, there's not a, there wasn't a play action. There wasn't a turnaround, re- fake reverse. Yeah. Nothing. Three-step drop, and I'm worried for my life. Like, yeah. So the offensive line, it's not like y'all haven't tried drafting. Oh, they just haven't panned out. Like, I remember, what's his name? Um, Will Hernandez or whatever, the guard. From he's a second-round pick. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Boss. What was his other name? The turnstile. Uh, Eric Flowers. From Miami. Eric Flowers. Oh my god, I love I loved playing you guys just because I knew he was starting at left tackle, and whoever our DN was was gonna eat him alive, and he did every single time. Yeah, but sometimes I, I don't it. know how much of it is just lack of development or these players just not being good because, like Eric Flowers, we've seen him on other teams now be serviceable, like he's better than he's looked in New York. So I don't know how much of it is just poor yeah. like coaching and poor like scheme, and how much of it is just like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I give up though. Um, I've given up. I, I would definitely say, I would definitely say development because I'm the same yeah. way with like Eagles wide receivers, like fucking Jalen Rager. Ugh. So I'm the but, um, Jalen Rager. But like JJ Ortega Whiteside, bro. I've stood up for Ortega Whiteside. I can't, I can't but, but Jalen Rager. And uh, Eagles, when you share this podcast and Eagles Twitter hears this, they're gonna come for me. Jalen Regor, in my opinion, has the potential to be the best wide receiver on the Eagles. You heard it here first. Not a hot take. I'm just telling y'all, if y'all give up on him early, y'all will so, regret it. You heard it here first. Jalen Regor has the most upside on the Eagles. So, so my thing, like, I'm, I can't even be upset at that because it's been a combination of things with him. So, for one, I'll go to coaching and scheme. Like, he's a down-the-field runner. Like, he's a dude you send, you make him run his 40 every single play. Like, he's yep. a burner. And we never, we we're always trying to give him, like, quick slants, hooks. Like, that's that's not him. He's not a big-body receiver. But on yeah. his end, when he gets his opportunity, he doesn't show up. Like, he just he has, has drops some passes. Drops. Even as a return man, even as a return man, like, that was kind of his bread and butter coming out of um, TCU. TCU. Yeah. As a return man, I think all the t- off the top of my head, I can think of two good returns he's had. Yeah. One was a touchdown against the Packers, and the other one was maybe like a 40-yard return or something. Other than that, dude's like afraid to return the ball. And he takes terrible fair catches. It'll be like at the 10-yard line, like, oh, I'm not going to catch. I'm going to let it bounce. <laughs> and he drops it like the two-yard line. And I'm like, yeah, nah, someone got to do something. I believe in him. I think this is going to be his year. Although I'm worried about Jalen limiting his upside because Jalen – uh, Jalen's not the most accurate. Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts, yeah. Not Jalen Regor, my bad. So <laughs> I forgot they're both named Jalen. <laughs> yeah. Um But yeah, Jalen Hurts. I'm optimistic about it. 
definitely. So to me, this I think towards the end of this year, this was only like what his twenty first career start. So it's a little bit above yeah. having a full rookie season. Yeah. And optimistic, obviously, things like against you guys, the one that we lost, he threw like three picks. And it's like, and they were yeah. terrible. It's like, bro, come on, you can't do that. Like, that was a horrible game. But then there are games like against the Saints. Jukes yeah. dudes, like, into the stands, has like four touchdowns, this and that. And it's like, okay, I'm optimistic about it. I'm never worried about our offensive line. We're putting good weapons around him. And one thing I've also mentioned to people is since – since he graduated high school, he's never had the same offensive coordinators. Like, when he was at Alabama, it was a yeah. turnstile of offensive coordinators year after year because they would get head coaching yeah. jobs. He came to Philly. It was Doug Peterson calling the plays. And after one year, Doug Peterson, then Nick Sirianni comes in. So he's okay. never had consistency I as never an, thought about for that. an You're offensive right. play caller. Like, so for him to just not only be consistent but to get comfortable in it, it was like – all right, if I got to check out of something, this is my bread and butter play right here. Okay. Or if it's like, oh, if I need to make a call real quick, this, me and this dude are on the same page. So the fact that he can have consistency in a full offseason and being in the same playbook for a second straight year, I think will do great, not just for him, but for any quarterback that's usually had inconsistency. Like Tua, the same way. I mean, this year he got another offensive coach, but like he was kind of in the same boat when he was at Alabama. Yeah. Every year he has a new offensive coordinator. Yeah. Every single year. Guess the NFL. A year. New offensive coordinator. New offensive coordinator. Once there's consistency, Easier to you'll see that you know, there's – like it's not going to be like taking 20 steps forward, but there will be consistent steady growth in it for the next like two seasons, three seasons after that. Yeah, that's fair to say. We'll see. Time will tell. I'm – you know, I, 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 yeah, for sure. I, I'll say that I, I wish the worst for you guys as a resident Giants fan. But as long as the Cowboys don't win the division, bro, I can sleep at night. So, um, bro, if happens. I would, I'll, I'll say I hate the Cowboys. So I'd rather go zero and seventeen than see the Cowboys win a Super Bowl. Oh yeah, me too. A thousand ever, percent ever in my life. I yeah. First of all, ever. fuck the Cowboys. The Eagles, I hate you guys, but at least you guys, I'll give you guys this. I'll give you guys this, and this is what I'm going to wrap the podcast up. You guys have a cool-ass fight song when you score a touchdown. I'm jealous of that. That, y'all and the Redskins. Bro, the fight, Redskins. N- nothing is competing. Nothing is com. Bro, don't even, I don't even, I just call them the Foreskins. They're the worst team ever. The Washington <laughs> Foreskins, whatever. Like, they're the they're the worst. They got nah, the worst the owner. They got the, the worst red, organization. The hail to the Redskins like, song was great, though. I'm not going to lie to you. But now they can't say it anymore. Nah, but that I can't, song was so no. gangster. I love that shit. It, it really was. I, I, I can't lie about that one. But, no, nah, they got, like, whenever we talk about our division, we don't even talk about Washington. That's how, like, disconnected they are it, from it, everything it, else. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. They were like announcing like the World they, Cup they really like, games that are happening in America, like inside of NFL stadiums. So they're like, all right, Century, uh, what do you guys play? Uh, wherever for the Eagles play, I forgot. It's still it's not Century Link Field. Oh, uh, Lincoln, 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 Lincoln Financial. Like, Lincoln Financial Field, yeah. MetLife Stadium. They're like, uh, what about uh, FedEx Field? They're like, uh, no, it doesn't qualify. It's not good enough. I'm like, Fe- like, FedEx. FedEx Field is like it's a, piece of a shit. fucking tent being held. <laughs> it's like a tent being held up with duct tape. Like that's what the field is. It's one of the ugliest stadiums I've ever seen. Like literally, yeah. 
our college indoor meet used to be next right outside the stadium and we're like yo what a piece of shit you would see like moss hanging off the fedex sign (laughs) off the fedex lettering so like it's just a piece of shit like it's just poorly maintained it looks like shit it's in the middle of like some small ass suburban town it's shit (laughs) it's shit but uh they suck Nah, but uh, we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to a good season. Looking forward to talking shit with you throughout these NFL games. Yeah, and, uh, for sure, man. If you go to a Philly, if you go to an Eagles game this year, let me know. I might, I might link up. It's not much of a further drive than going to a Giants game. So, um, let me know. Yeah, that's true. I'll just have to wear like a bulletproof vest so I don't get shot in the parking lot. But um, yeah, more. Nah, you'll be you, you'll be all right. We, we went to an Eagles game with one of my friends who was a Washington fan when we played Washington on Monday Night Football. He got heckled, but it wasn't like the worst. throwing stuff on yeah. him. Yeah, it wasn't. There's some fan the bases that are bad. Like I've heard, like Raiders fans back when they were Oak, like in Oakland, they would like beat your ass in the parking yeah. lot type shit. Like they just had nothing to lose. Yeah, <laughs> like, 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 nah, that's not that's not gonna happen. I hope. I'll right, we'll see. The rest come the worst. I throw batteries back at them and I get out <laughs> of there. But uh. <laughs> nah, uh, I appreciate it you coming on, bro. You have anything you want to leave the people with before you leave? Any closing remarks? Any shout outs? Anything? Uh, <laughs> well, thanks for having me on for sure. Like I said, I've been of trying course, to my man. get on here for a while, just getting distracted here and there. Um, one of these times we got to have like a class of twenty eleven reunion or something because we never got to have Glad it because of COVID. Said this. Like we got to have and. Like and not just like a party at someone's house. Like Amanda Flores, I know she had the the party that people always went to, but not just like a house party. Like rent out a catering place, everyone meet up, actually dress nicely, like have an actual I, fucking reunion. I'm glad we, you said. I don't this. care. We had the best graduating class. I was literally talking about this with somebody like maybe just last week, and I'm like, somebody has to do it, and they're like, yo, I want to do it, I just don't have the time because he's currently planning a wedding, but. I would love yeah. to do it, but I've been busy. But if I ever get the time, I would collaborate with somebody. Like, just let's just do bro, it. I don't care bro. if we have to do, like, two or three combined classes. If you got to do four, I don't care. Just host it. People will yeah. go. And it's it's crazy you say this because – so, and this is what I'm going to wrap it up with. Shout-outs to Coach Medina, who just moved to California. He had his going-away party uh, maybe four weeks ago or the day before I broke my foot. So I went there, and I saw, like, Mr. Cetera – uh, like a couple other teachers, and it was so weird because, like, I'm like, wow, like it's 2022, and I'm playing flip cup and beer pong with Mr. Satira. Like, this is weird as hell. Like, <laughs> what world do we live in? So, I'm like, yo, we need to have some type of formal setup where we get to, like, at least do this. If it's informal, fine, but we need to have something where everybody just links yeah, up and something has to happen. hang out, network, chill, yeah. go home. But, you know, I was saying in a perfect yeah. world, this would be great to do during, like, either Thanksgiving or, like, I don't know. One of those holidays where like everybody should have a big have a big ass Super Bowl party. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. But something <laughs> it's in the works. We're gonna work yeah, on something this. like that. We're gonna we're gonna yeah, we're sure. gonna call somebody into doing this. Somebody. Yeah. But uh, nah, bro. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, definitely let me know the next time you're in New York. Definitely got to link up, even if it's just for a brew or something. Because you never know when somebody might get up and move to. Like, yeah, for like, sure, man. A la Matt. <laughs> True. <laughs> But yeah, nah, I appreciate you coming on, bro. Till next time, man. All right, Peace man. Out, guys. Be good. Later. Are you?